Hello and welcome to a three-inning save podcast. No three-inning saves in spring training yet, but so should we become the Thai podcast? <laughs> should we work? Oh, we can oh, become the Thai training? podcast for the month of uh, whatever we're in, February and March. Uh, yeah. And we'll wear ties. No one will ever see it. Maybe we can take pictures and put up. Nope. No. Nope. I refuse to be. I refuse to be <laughs> have my picture taken with a tie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's not a bad idea. There was a there was a thirty-two to five game. I believe Texas Tech beat somebody in in college baseball over the weekend. There was not. A, how can there not be a three inning save in that game? There, <laughs> the, the starter went five innings and like they didn't find a way to get a three slash four inning save out of that. that that's a failure. That, that is a absolute failure. So, but we've got not a ton of concrete nudes, but games have started. So there's just yeah. Whatever excitement's in the air. It's there's some fun, you know, the sort of baseline. What stories will be falling? Some are very easy to guess. Dodgers signed a few people that they're very excited to see for play. (laughs) Two of them, most notably, have not played in a game yet, but that's going to come up. We're going to catch you up on what they haven't done, what they're about to do, all of that after this. I would say I was just going to (laughs) say we are bursting at the seams with with baseball news so uh, you know miscellaneous of the miscellaneous variety so uh-huh. i just wanted to say that mm-hmm. yeah okay <laughs> commercial now and then the other stuff bye i this whole uniform fiasco is such a spring training like like it's not quite you know who's in the best shape of life or whatever but it's just so it's baseball it's 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 real players, you know, having taken pictures, but it's such a silly thing. But it's it's I'm glad it's dominating headlines. Yeah, it, it was just so like there's just so many examples of like things being a little off, you know, um, like some of the some of the jerseys like, well, so um, Nike has been um, partnered with uh, Major League since 2019. Fanatics is the company that distributes what they, Nike designs. Fanatics, if you if you do any sort of internet searching whatsoever, you can find people complaining on Twitter, like when they open Christmas presents, like shipments they get from Fanatics, you know, like the stuff that people buy for home. And it's like, oh, it's a Titans jersey, but it has like uh, just one T or like a T and an N or something. It just, you know, just off. Everything's off. There's been like... Um, couple pictures of players um there was a cubs player where his his number is like off center on the back of his jersey this is what the players are wearing it's not like a something in the in the gift shop right and that's the thing like some of the stuff looks like it's in the gift shop there you know someone posted a before and after like last year and this year of jp crawford and the crawford on the back is you know, readable last year, like normal size, you know, maybe a little, you could even say possibly a little large, but now it's like very tiny on the, on the back. And it's just very weird to see. Um, but the main thing is, um, the, the, just the pants, like they got, it got so bad. Um, like just, I guess photo day also, I will say photo day is a big thing because you get all sorts of poses and, Everything is sort of pressed out to the world, so other people are noticing more and more. Also, in the last week or so, when everyone's reporting to camp, um, you know, the Dodgers and Padres are a little bit early. First full squad workouts were in full, like, the beginning of last week, and and people are like, what the hell is this shirt? You know, like, what's, what's the deal with my jersey? 
why can't we customize our pants? Like they're they're getting like off the rack stuff rather than tailored. We got some beefy boys in, in baseball, and like you know, uh, there it's just it seems. I don't unprofessional is probably too strong, but it, part of it's it, like chintzy. I guess is a, is a better word. Um, it got so bad though that the players' union was is involved now. Um, the executive director, Tony Clark, chimed in. This is from a piece from Jesse Rogers, ESPN. I've seen the the quote. I'm not sure if he spoke to like a group of reporters or whatever, but I've seen a similar quote, and especially the one I'll get to at the end. He used this line, at least if he either used it multiple times or it was said in a group setting. But he said, quote, a lot of the rhetoric is confirmation that the pants are see-through. <laughs> Uh, it's been an ongoing conversation where each day has yielded something new that doesn't seem to make as much sense as you would like it. And then Clark, this is the, the sentence that will stick with me for a while. Quote, universal concern is the pant. First of all, using pant as a singular word is just <laughs> wonderful. It's just absolutely wonderful. And um, it's just it's just great. So... The, the MLB, like the league office, has been in damage control. I think we mentioned on last week's episode how um, when they first last week put out that like strategic thing, like, here, look at these new Nike Vapor jerseys. It's 28% more wicking or whatever. And then they had like a bunch of Nike clients and other players like doing videos like, aren't these jerseys great? It's pretty great. Like, And then so sure enough um, – their sort of strategy now appears to be gaslighting in a way. They're saying, look, the pants have always been see-through. Look look at the lighting of Photo Day and like Mark Feinsand, an MLB.com reporter. Now, good reporter, but also works for the mothership uh, uh, in this case. And he, he sort of shared a thing on Twitter. It was a picture of, of Reds players uh, for the last 10 spring trainings trying to show that, look, these other years have see-through pants too, huh? Huh? Like you could you could sort of see, like. Uh, but it's I don't know. It's not the same. But the the big thing, like, none of those pictures were like, um, basically a very very clear view of Casey Smith's balls, like on the from the <laughs> Giants, where he he was it was a rather like innocuous. I, I I'm, it, look Alex Pavlovic, I think was the one who put this on Instagram. Um, just sort of shared it in a story and it was just a, like a you know um uh a posing shot for photo day and he's seated casey schmidt is seated and he just sort of shared it without like saying hey look at the balls right he didn't do that he was just like shared it as it was and then everyone's like oh my god his balls are out you know <laughs> like you're just and then there was so the mlb's like thing about uh it being like the lighting of photo day or whatever it's ridiculous but first First game, first day of spring, Thursday, the Dodgers and Padres were the only game. It was on ESPN and local uh, TV as well. There was a shot that went around. I don't even know which player it was. It was on the Padres. But someone was fully bent over, and you could see more than the balls uh, through the pants in this case. And uh, that is not uh, – that's not a photo day lighting thing. So, uh, yeah, it's it's weird, right? So, uh, it's just a thing. I, I, I'm sure – it's one of those things I – it's hard to trust the major, like major league baseball yeah, as a, as an entity given like how uh, they've like their messaging on the baseballs themselves over the years, 
you know, I'm talking, I'm not talking about the balls. I'm talking about a different kind of the balls in this case. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, basically when the balls were juiced, they're like, look, we're, even though they control, like they own the, 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 the manufacturing, they control all of that. They're like, look, we don't know what happened. It's not new. And then there was reporting that said there were different balls, you baseballs used. Like I need to, I need to elongate it there. Um, and, they're just not – I don't think you could trust what they say on this. So I, I would imagine this is something that's going to be fixed to some degree by the time the season starts. So it's just going to be fun to see how they sort of go about doing it and what what are the changes that they make because it's been – it has been pretty funny, I will be, I'll be honest, like just seeing some of the, the oddities of, of the game. But – you know, that was also a distraction for a little bit because there weren't games. Now we have uh, a weekend of games so far. We're recording on Sunday. Um, most teams have played two games. The Dodgers have played four. Um, not so much to glean yet. Like, they look, they've only tied once. I mean, so, like, right, we they're already a failure of a season right now. They've only tied one out of four possible games in spring. Look, they won the other three games. That's, that's beside the point. But... The only regulars to start three times so far are James Outman and Chris Taylor. Taylor played third base, shortstop, and second in those three games. So, like, you know, he's moving around a little bit. Uh, Non-roster invitee Kevin Padlow is tied for the team lead in home runs and steals. Uh, he, he's the only one with a steal, actually. He has he has one of each. Um, so just remember this for next year when I ask you who, who led uh, the Dodgers through the first weekend of spring training. No, there's no way I'm going to do that. I mean, um, you might. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Shohei Otani hasn't played yet, but on Sunday afternoon after their game was over, the Dodgers did announce that Tuesday will be his first game, and that's against the White Sox at Camelback Ranch. Now, it was funny. The Dodgers put it out uh, with a, you know, like on Twitter and then with a note to like, here's the link to buy tickets. But I thought I had heard that they were they were sold out. They've been sold out for a little bit. So... Like, I don't know. Who, who knows what the – but it's just – it's been kind of a madhouse. Like, it looks like, you know, very, very popular. Uh, it turns out trying to see the Dodgers and their their new guys. Uh, the Another new guy, which you sort of alluded to at the, uh, the opening, um, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, he could debut on Wednesday. Uh, as of right now, this is Sunday night, we have um, Ryan Yarbrough starting Monday uh, when the Dodgers go to – play the Rockies Bobby Miller starting Tuesday so they usually have like two days in advance in the game notes and then I believe um this came up in so there's usually Dave Roberts meets like two times a day uh in a scrum with the media once in the morning and then once usually after the game uh this was in the morning scrum uh, this is from Bill Plunkett of the Orange County Register quoting Roberts quote uh that's a good possibility he's, he's talking about um Yamamoto starting Wednesday um, I don't want to confirm it yet, but I like the way you're thinking. So, like, you know, that's basically Roberts. As far as, as – that's basically him saying, yes, it's going to be Wednesday. But they don't want to, you know, make it official just yet. At the same – in that same thing, he was talking about, you know, I think the same sort of thing around uh, Otani on on Tuesday. Um, and then that came to fruition by the end of the day. Um, last week, uh, there was Cactus League Media Day where they sort of do a get-together of all 15 teams. They also do it in Florida. But you basically have the manager and the GM there, and they set up, like, tables and 
Um, so basically all the reporters can get together and then like, if you're doing, you know, you cover one team, it's hard to see all the other teams. You can go there, you can get some other, other stuff from other teams like that. So they have that sort of setup. And during that setup last Tuesday, Roberts did say it was a quote safe bet that Yamamoto and Tyler Glasnow would start in some order, the two games in South Korea. Now that's March 20th and 21st. Um, so if we're just looking at the calendar, if Yamamoto starts uh, Wednesday, that's the 28th of February, he has time to make three starts uh, in in camp before uh, starting one of those um, games in South Korea. Glasnow, Glasnow can make uh, four starts. That's because he started on Saturday. He made his debut. Uh, he ran into his pitch count, didn't quite finish the two innings he was scheduled for, inning and two-thirds he went, but... Um, he, you know, he allowed like four hits and a walk. He did only allow one run because uh, Mookie Betts made a nifty play where he sort of uh, bird dogged the uh, a runner at first base. Uh, there was a play to the it was first and third uh, fly ball short to short right. Uh, I believe it was Andy Pajes threw home and then it was cut off, but the guy on first base drifted too far off and Betts at second base came in behind him, got the throw and sort of tagged him out. So he got a nice double play out of that. But Glasnow said after the start on Sportsnet LA, um, health-wise he felt fine. The stuff was good. But, quote, as far as execution, not the best. So, But he didn't seem too concerned about it. But if you look at, like, the timing, right, uh, with his four starts, so two innings that day are almost two innings. Next inning, next time out, probably three. Next four, next five. So he'll be he'll be fine, like, built up for the South Korea series. Um the other newsy type thing, and this is the very loosest definition of this, is Walker Bueller is unlikely to pitch in a Cactus League game, uh, Dave Roberts said. We already knew Bueller's going to start the season on the IL. He's on an innings limit. Um, on Sunday, this is from Jack Harris at the LA Times, basically that uh, Bueller hasn't pitched to hitters yet um, uh, in, in like live batting practice or anything, so he's not quite ready to, to you know go yet. This is what Robert said, quote, he's still kind of in that, it's not rehab mode, but he's got to get to the point where you're getting hitters out. He's not quite there yet. So it seemed like early May was always like the more reasonable target for Bueller anyway to return. And that this timeline kind of lines up with that. So essentially, if you look at it, if he's not starting in the Cactus League, that basically means his spring training starts either at the very end of March or the very start of April or r- roughly around there. So then you figure he's probably he probably needs four to five starts to build up, so he'll probably be ready May-ish, you know that kind of time. So who knows? Um, that's kind of it in Dodgers camp. I would say there was a lot of um, old friend news though uh, over the last week, including uh, I will I I applaud you for using the um, do not disturb on your uh, text messages because. There was a late night one that came in on Saturday, Saturday night for you. <laughs> it was late for us in the West Coast, and you're two hours later. Uh, I was, uh, in fact, not woken up by that. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> friend, friend, yeah, I, I am too. A uh, friend of the show, uh, member of the show, questioner of the show, Craig Manami. Uh, <laughs> questioner of the show. Makes yeah. uh, he's a skeptic, known yeah, podcast skeptic. That's right. He's the one who <laughs> comes in and always has complaints. Like, why, you know? These two guys sound like idiots. Oh, geez. All right. Anyway, um, so Cody Bellinger signed with the Cubs. They're, it's kind of absurd that how how many like unsigned free agents there still are now. 
the Boris Four, as they're calling him. And then there's also like JD Martinez. I'll get to him in a second. He's also Boris. But um, if you remember back uh, at the beginning of the off season in MLB trade rumors, they put in like a contract prediction in their top fifty free agents. And the prediction for Cody Bellinger, who is about as volatile of a hitter as you could find, twelve years, two hundred and sixty-four million. Didn't quite get that. Um, three years, eighty million. Uh, Jeff Passan was the first report. This was eleven fourteen Pacific. That's when Craig, or probably a minute or two after that, sent the text. So you're, we're talking one fifteen your time, and you, you just slept right through it. I'm proud of you. Um, but there's opt outs after each of the first two years. So he gets thirty million in each of the first two years, then twenty for the last year. So you're, you know, you're probably looking. It's like. Two years, sixty, basically, and then he then he'll figure out what he wants to do. He could, uh, you know, if he has a good year, he could opt out um, after next year. But like, you know, after like seeing what he went through, this I don't know. I, who knows? Who knows? It be. It seems like hard to walk away from that other that first that next thirty million, right? Like that. That's a that's a big number. Um, but uh, there's other news that are uh, much smaller deals. Um, Ahmed Rosario uh, signed with the Rays. He got a major league deal, uh, one year, one and a half million. Um, seems pretty low. Like mm-hmm. just this, uh, he can earn up to five hundred thousand in bonuses. So it's not like it's like super incentive laden or anything. Um, David Peralta, he signed a minor league deal with the Cubs. Uh, he had elbow surgery in October. That I'm sure that played into that. Uh, Kike Hernandez. Uh, is reportedly nearing a decision. It was weird how it was reported. Uh, like on Friday, I think Mark Feinsand of MLB.com uh, tweeted out Kiki Hernandez is expected to make his decision by Sunday or Monday. And it's like, but then, okay, what are the teams? Right. And then Saturday night, uh, Ken Rosenthal at the athletic said that he's down to four teams. It's the Padres giants, angels, and the twins. So like, you're basically like, the uh, the California corridor, the non Dodger California corridor minus A's, and uh, and the Twins. So we'll see what happens there. I mentioned J D Martinez is still on the market. Um, he it sort of came up uh, this week when the Giants signed Jorge Soler for three years and forty two million. Now Soler can play the outfield. Martinez really can't, but you know it's also a lot of DH there too. Um, they were the Giants were in on him. Reportedly offered him one year, fourteen million. I saw Feinstein report this. I think Bob Nightingale reported this, and then also like Alex Pavlovic of the NBC Sports Bay Area said, the Giants like balked at the counter. I think Martinez wanted like twenty million, or I don't know if that was his actual counter. But Giants were like, no, nah, it's a little too rich. So then they didn't. Um, they they balked there, so they didn't. They weren't able to make a deal. But the big news, um, Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, back to the KBO with the Hanwha Eagles. Um, so he's he's getting around twelve point seven million total. It was first reported as a four year deal. He's he, he's going to be the highest paid player in the league, I believe. But this is they have they do have like a a I don't know if they call it a salary cap, but it is a salary cap basically. And they're making it an eight year deal just to get around that <laughs> basically. Some some old NHL yeah. stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. So, because um, he's 37, so he's not pitching until he's 44, right? Like I mean, that's. I mean, I look. I wouldn't put it past him, but look, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it past him. I, it would be funny to see how I haven't seen what the breakdown is like. If he gets like, uh, like almost all of it in the first four years, and then it's like 
minuscule, minuscule for the last four or whatever. That that's more NHL style, right? The Ilya Kovalchuk or whatever those those deals were that got sort of canceled. But um, speaking of some old friends, uh, Andre Ethier has been in Dodgers camp. He's been working with Miguel Vargas, for instance, uh, playing left field, which is new to him, new to Vargas. Um, Ethier told Dylan <laughs> yes, Hernandez. Sounds like, yeah, Andre, he's playing left field? One, <laughs> not new to Ethier, two. All right, <laughs> get, get him back in there. <laughs> Ethier did say in the piece by Dylan Hernandez of the LA Times that he, he said he, he, he misses it. And he kind of just wants one more at bat, you know, like, he, <laughs> and, uh, but he said, so he remembered like getting advice from Sean Green, who was a teammate at the time, or, you know, what? I'm trying to think they didn't, there was, uh, maybe, maybe it was after be, yeah. because I think they traded him by the time Ethier came up and, or they got him. So yeah. And then also Eric Caro, same thing, already not, no longer playing, but sort of, you know, they, they, they gave him advice or whatever. And this is what he's doing. So this, uh, this is from Ethier quote. When you're battling, some like some of the guys out here, it's important just to find somebody to be a confidant and maybe even a little encouraging to say, I'm here pulling for you. So that's cool. Uh, also, on Sunday, I uh, was reported uh, Matt Kemp uh, will also join them back together. Let's that, go. That, <laughs> so uh, you're thinking of this, right? Ethier's going to be 42 in April. Kemp is 39 already. They still got something in them. Like, yeah. I, I'm saying, those guys, <laughs> ring David David Freeze just to see what's up. Like, you know, you never know. Um, he's early 40s. Um, so he's going to be advisory role. Um, not really sure what uh, what's going to happen. Bob Nightingale uh, reported, I think, first on Sunday morning. Bobby Nardaya had an article about it, too. Dave Roberts addressed it, I saw, in the sort of video, the short post-game scrum. He's like, yeah, he was a great Dodger. All He didn't really say much about it, but he did, you know, confirm it. Um my, my other point before, as, as more of a palate cleanser before I get into trivia, is that Eddie Murray turned 68 uh, years old on Saturday. In his final 68 at-bats in 1990, he had 28 hits. That's 412 clip. Raised his batting average 12 points over the final three weeks of the season. He finished at 330, which led the major leagues that year. But he didn't win a batting title because life is unfair. Um, speaking of unfair, here's a trivia question for you, uh-huh. Jacob Birch. Um, so Shohei Otani, when he makes his spring debut uh, this week, he's expected to bat third uh, behind Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. We'll find out officially Tuesday. <sighs> so who holds the Dodgers? The I'm sorry, who holds the Los Angeles Dodgers record uh. for most plate appearances with runners on base in one season? I'll take a stab after this. Who has the most plate appearances with runners on base? Right. Yeah, that's right. I'll give you, before you guess, I will say, just as a setup, uh, so Dodgers, number three hitters in 2023, um, they had 396 plate appearances with runners on base. 287 of those were by Will Smith, who was a catcher, and he only started 120 games. That included some DH starts. So this is the sort of baseline you're working with, right? Like Otani, presumably going to play a lot more. But Otani, over the last three years with the Angels, now different. He's not. He wasn't following uh, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Uh, he averaged over the last three years 145 starts and only averaged 273 plate appearances, runners in scoring or runners on base. Excuse me, the last three years. So last year, uh, Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman was fifth. Mookie Betts was sixth in on base percentage. Uh, Otani was second, which is funny. Um, so. Zips this year projects Freeman and Betts to finish 6th and 7th in the majors in OBP. Steamer has them 5th and 10th. So uh, that that's sort of my 
my baseline for this to you to give you sort of an idea of the scale. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my, I, I, the Dodgers offenses have been the best Dodger offenses over the right. last few years. So I'm going to start very recent. Okay. I, I will, my other, I guess I'll <sighs> give you another hint is as a team, they've been great, but they also haven't had a ton of guys playing every day. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I won't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that makes me bat. So let's go with. I'm gonna. I I have to. Give, there's too many names I could name. So uh, I'm gonna give myself three strikes. Steve Garvey. Um, that that's a good place to start. So he he's actually second. Um, in 1975, um, 371 plate appearances. Now he also shows up on this list. Tenth. Uh, 13th, 19th, 23rd, and 25th, just in the top 25. So he's, you know, he, that's a good guess because he was an everyday guy in a, in a spot in the order that would be conducive to that. Pedro Guerrero. I like where your head's at. Um, so his most was 336 in uh, 1982. Um, that is tied for 15th. All right. My last guess. Mm-hmm. Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza. Um, catching name probably cost me there. No, no, but he 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 caught like every almost. <laughs> you know, he caught a lot. Um, it was pretty wild. Wow, he's not. Also, he wasn't. He wasn't exactly like following. Uh, you know, greatness. So, wow, this is terrible. Um, the. Three, he's tied for 46th, his best season, <laughs> 1996, 314th. So uh, before I give you the answer, I will tell you, the reason I brought this up, because so Cody Bellinger is the one I would think of, played a, mostly every day in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but that year he batted with, oh, God, I had it here in front of me. <laughs> I'm just going to oh. note, I'm just going to say real quick, if it was Cody Bellinger and you gave me that hint that, oh, yeah, they no, haven't yeah, had a lot of guys recently. <laughs> right, I'm just giving you, get, putting you off the scent. That'd be so messed up. So Cody Bellinger, 319 plate appearances with runners on in 2019. That's 39th in L.A. Dodger history. So, so the only people in the top 25 in the since 2000 uh, are, okay, so Sean Green is third. 2,353. Uh, Matt Kemp in 2011 is 8th, 347. Sean Green again, 2002, 339. Sean Green in 2001, 337. Um, and then Eric Karros in 2000, 336. That's it for, for 2000s on these. The number one is the also the, uh, the um, Dodgers RBI uh, single season leader, Tommy Davis, who drove in 152 runs in 1962. He batted 374 times with runners on base. Um, so yeah, that's it. Um, My next two guesses were would have been um, <clears throat> Sheffield, who is 69th on the list. Yeah, and uh, Sean Green after that. So yeah, okay, and Sean, Green, Sean Green is is the most prolific recent guy in this in the top. Yeah, and I I don't I don't Tommy Davis was probably not going to be a guess. So. Um, right. No, I might have gotten to the point where I said a Davis because uh, that yeah, no, covers right. a lot of ground. Yeah, and and like Willie Davis hit. No, they called him Free Doc. He didn't. Well, so like 
uh, Maury Wills was leading off, so he was either second or third, right? Well, so Willie Davis is 12th on this list. Right. And but, So Eddie Murray is fifth, um, tied with Wes Parker. Um, but, yeah, so uh, just as a note, so but, like, the the top two is ridiculous enough. This is if Otani's third. But the top three, so, like, it's going to be still, like, probably Will Smith fourth or, you know, at times maybe Teoscar Hernandez or whatever. That spot also is going to be like ridiculous because you're you're basically following like three guys who just are all getting on base a lot if they're not driving in their own runs, but like so one of my favorite individual seasons ever, um, non Dodger related. So Joe Carter uh, drove in a hundred runs ten times in a twelve year span. He was a, an above average hitter in his career. One of his worst seasons came with the Padres in 1990. He, he was the, there was a lot of awesome trades back in the day he, he came from the um from cleveland to san diego in the trail the trade that i was was were both alomars involved going to cleveland in that because the padres had them both um but so he, he's um he goes to san diego in 1990 he hit 232 uh 290 391 that's an 85 OPS plus. That's the second worst of his career. He still drove in 115 runs. <laughs> good, good for third in the majors. He greatly benefited because on most days, he's he's hitting behind the top three of the Padres lineup, which was Bip Roberts, who had a 375 OBP that year. Tony Gwynn, 357. Remember, this is it's, at the time still good, and he's Tony Gwynn. And Jack Clark, 441, hitting third. <laughs> and so... Carter batted 361 times with runners on base, the most in the majors that season. So he was um, he was definitely getting the boost there. So you you look now like you know I don't know if you're like a, a fantasy player or something, but if you if you have like the over on like Will Smith or Teoscar Hernandez like RBIs or something, I don't know what their numbers are, but um, that just seems like there's going to be a lot of situations. And but also like I think Mike Petriello wrote th- about this a couple weeks back. Uh, and MLB.com, um, basically how Otani specifically is going to benefit. He's going to bat, be batting with more runners on than he ever did with the Angels, so he's going to probably do even more damage. Like, um, so that that's going to be something to watch. Um, yeah. Okay. So no, he so he wasn't traded. Oh wow. He I got mixed up. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So he was traded. Um, by Cleveland to San Diego for Sandy Alomar, Carlos Bayerga, and Chris James. Chris James, the 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 lesser of those those three. Then he was traded with Roberto Alomar a year later to the Blue Jays uh, for Tony Fernandez and Fred McGriff. There were some awesome trades back in the day, man. It was <laughs> it was just crazy. So that was his only year in San Diego. It was like one of the worst years of his career, and he still like drove in 115 runs because that's awesome. Hey, 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 uh-huh. hey! Yeah. Guess what? Uh, no, what are you going to tell me? It's time for... With Jens and Greg. We love them. Trivia and other questions. We song. love it. I'm always late on that. Um. Uh, here we go. You ready? Yep, yep. I peeked ahead at the food question. Uh, 2024 is the 10th anniversary of Clayton <laughs> Kershaw's MVP and Cy Young Award-winning uh, 2014 season. So this week's trivia is related to that great season from Kershaw. 
Kershaw led all National League pitchers with 7.7 B war. Can Eric name the other three NL pitchers with 6.1 or more B war in 2014? Why do you say war? Um, war. War. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, it's like guar, you know, the, oh, yeah, the sure. weird metal band, uh, but boar. I will, I will point out 2014 also um, uh, the last year where the Dodgers started overseas. Uh, early and then came back. But well, that's when when Kershaw got hurt, and then he missed a little bit. But he, he came back. He was still really great. And um, so, okay, six point one in twenty fourteen mm-hmm. in the in the National League. So at this point, uh, all right. I'm just trying to think here. Um, Let's go with uh, Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright had 6.1 on the dot. Okay, now I'm just trying to think of the timing of this. Um, So they were gone. Yeah, 2014. Okay, so... Oh, um, this is the second... The middle... Of the Giants titles. Linscombe's already post saying so. Okay. Oh. It, Madison Bumgarner? Madison Bumgarner only did a 3.7 that year. Hmm. Yeah, but he was like like at least three in the playoffs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, wait. What about Matt Cain? Uh, no. Not even on my Man, long um, short list. I'm just trying to. I'm having a hard time like piecing together the like the the rest of the league at that point, you know? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, like 2012 was like the RA Dickey one off. Kershaw barely beat like Roy Halladay in 2011, but then like is Roy Halladay still really good in 2014? Like I don't know. Um, I thought that was like. I'll just say Roy Halladay just to end it because I don't know. Nope. Yeah. Uh, I, there I, is an old friend on here, sort of, kind of. Uh, nope. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Cueto had a 6.6. Cueto, nice. Yeah. And Cole Hamels with a 6.4. You know what? You're right. He is an old friend. <laughs> Kershaw's 8.57 whip in 2014 is in the top 10 of all whips since 1920. Huh. Five of the pitchers on the list are in the Hall of Fame. Can Eric name them? Um, sure. Um, uh, Pedro? Um, yes. <laughs> 737. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, <so> that... <laughs> I'm trying to think. So, I th- Koufax, I think, just got under. Uh, yes. Uh, and then let's go with Bob Gibson to 853. So I need one more. Um, uh, two more. What? You've named Koufax, Gibson, and Pedro. There are That's two all. more. That's all I named? Okay. Ugh. Right? Trying to, just <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to do sleight of hand on you. No. Um, um, what about uh, Maddox? 
Maddox with an 811. Man. Um, okay. Um, oh, boy. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, this is uh, oh, um, Zach Greinke's 2015. No, he's on the Hall of Fame. Um, correct. Yeah, I was gonna say yes, <laughs> correct. But. <laughs> but yeah, but he will be. No, yeah. <laughs> come back to me. No, just kidding. Um, oh, let's see. Um, I'm just trying to think of like, what about a? Let's just go one of the the crazy Roger Clemens. Nope, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Um, okay. A low whip guy in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, no, hold on. Um, okay. Let's go. I'm not even that confident in this, but uh, Tom Seaver. One Marischal. Hmm. Nice. Uh, the only player to have two to be on here twice is uh, Justin Verlander. By the way, mm-hmm. there you go. Clayton Kershaw joined Don Newcomb and Sandy Koufax when he was awarded both the Cy Young Award and Most Valuable Player Award in the same season. There is one other pitcher in Dodger franchise history who has been named MVP. Can Eric name that pitcher? Oh. Um. Just as an aside for the last question, so I, I finally got around to getting some 2024 Tops baseball cards. They just came out recently. Uh-huh. And uh, in Series 1, one of the cards is like the Dodgers like team card, and on the back it has like some information about the season and like some of the stats leaders. It's like um, wins, strikeouts, and then ERA, and it says no qualifier. <laughs> it's such a bummer. Like. Oh, it's so, so sad. Um, okay, so this is so they they used to award MVPs so sparingly. Like some years they did, some years they're like, eh, who knows? Um, the only one I can think of is is Dazzy Vance. I was about to say, like in the yeah. the the in the um. Zach Wheat era of pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> when in doubt, Zach just guess Wheat. Dazzy Vance. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, the funny, uh, so right. 1924, the, by the way. Speaking of WH guys, Whit Wyatt, um, I think it was 1941, because this came up last year when, when Freeman and Betts were, or Betts 2, Freeman 3, when they were top three. 1941, the Dodgers had the top three finishers. It was Dolph Camilli, who was the first baseman, finished first. And I can't remember. I think it was Pete Reeser, center fielder, second, and Whit Wyatt was third, the pitcher. So like that, that's what he, he was in my head, and I'm like, oh, he didn't win one. Like I don't know. So yeah, yeah. Kershaw had an 181 FIP. Yeah, <laughs> there are only five pitchers. <laughs> going to start that. Uh, who had a better FIP uh, since 1920, and two of them uh, have not already been mentioned in this trivia. Can Eric name them? Um, okay. Oh, wait. Wait, I said Maddox in the other one, right? I did. You did. That. Okay. So, <clears throat> um, 181. Um, and two of them haven't been mentioned. The And that's the two, uh, Craig wants you the name. The ones that have already been mentioned, I'll just say, are Pedro, yeah. Bob Gibson, Dazzy Vance, and Sandy Kovacs. 
Or and Maddox, right? Uh, no, Maddox is not on this. I see. I got you. Okay, yeah. and our hmm. okay one eighty one fip uh, that I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. Um, what about um? So like even the other ones I mentioned. Okay. Hmm. I don't know what this person's fib was. Has to be. Um. No. Okay, this is since 1920. Is it Bob Feller? Nope. There's two hmm. names. Reminder. And I'll give you years if you need. Right, right. Um, <laughs> it's not just Bob Feller twice. Um, so okay. Um, I I'm having a hard let. Hmm. What about um? I don't even have that. Dwight Gooden. Dwight Gooden is one of them in 1984. Actually, 84. Wow, that's his rookie year. Oh, because I think he struck out like. I want. I want to say two ninety two. Is that right? If that's right, I'm. I'm taking the headphones off. <laughs> uh, I'm checking real quick. I, I'm scrolling down the awards. Uh, two seventy six. Get out. Ah, you're you got, you're stuck out. with me. All right. Good. That's where I want to finish the podcast. Um, I, I can you give me the year on the other one? Twenty twenty one. What? Um. <laughs> okay. So. Oh no. Um. Oh, that's um, uh, Corbin Burns. Correct. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, good. I like that. Kershaw had a one eighty one. Uh, wait, I already read that. That's it. Sorry, I was about to give you the same question. I bet. <laughs> I got. <this laughs> How well one. will you do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you did good. Yeah. I might. I might have to encourage. I like the. Uh, there's only one answer. I, I like making sure there's one or two of them in there. Yeah. Uh, and especially if the answers. Zach Weeder does <laughs> That's obviously. Chris Taylor's 2023 was a slight improvement over 2022, but his overall numbers have gone down in the last three seasons. With two years and a club option for 2026 left on his contract, what role do you see Taylor having for this year's team? So I, I sort of alluded to that in the in when we talked about just it's you know four games in, he's already started at short, second and third. Uh, I would imagine he's going to see some time in the outfield. I think he's just going to be um, extra guy, like occasionally starting against righties um, or lefties, excuse me. And um, I, I'm kind of excited for him to enter back into this role because that was how much yeah. of his original value came from is he was not like the kind of regular left fielder, you know, back of center field. He was like, and yet he still kind of played every day. And I think that might be a little bit less pronounced with right. the amount of kind of platoon options going on. But, yeah, just that kind of glue guy, you know, sort of third on the depth chart at every position. Yeah, there, there's there's the other factor of – so Max Muncy has not hit lefties well the last two years. He he has in his career, uh, but he hasn't been good the last two years. He, he homered against the lefty on Sunday, the day we're recording this, in spring training. For what it's worth um, – and I'm sure he's going to get some rope. But you could see a scenario where maybe Taylor's some of Taylor's playing time 
comes at third when he starts against some lefties, uh, you know, to sit Muncie or whatever. Um, but he's, I think he's going to mix around. So you, you have to figure too, like Teoscar Hernandez is going to play mostly every day. James Outman's going to play most days. Manuel Margot is going to like split time with Jason Hayward, but he's also going to probably spell James Outman at times. So like, I don't, how many other starting opportunities are there for Taylor in the outfield? There might be some, you know, there always, always pops up, but like, I think they're just going to have to fit him in. Like, but I think last year he was doing his best. Now you can't only start him against lefties, right? Like you just can't, that's, it's not a viable way to, to, to like get any sort of traction or whatever. So but it's also kind of yeah. a valuable role off the bench when they yeah. like they platoon a guy, especially say against a lefty, and then they kind of want to get take him out. Uh, Chris Taylor can be a guy that just kind of sticks around and plugs the holes as needed. Oh right, as they make maneuver. those rest yeah. yeah, they like um, you know just like the the normal lineup like against a righty, right? There's six lefties now. Freeman and Otani are fixtures. Muncie is close to being a fixture. Hayward is platoon, um, but then there's also um, Lux and or Outman and Lux too. So like Lux, they're not going to push. He's going to play most days, but I don't think they want to. They don't expect like 150 games out of him, so he'll get days off. But I think Miguel Rojas is going to be the fill in. It's short, just for the defense and all that. But yeah, like you like you said, it, it could be an instance where uh, they might have to pinch hit late for Rojas in that game or something, you know, like, um, and then that's maybe Taylor, Taylor's spot, even if it's, you know, righty for righty, whatever. But yeah. In 2021, Shohei Otani hit his spring training career high of five home runs <clears throat> for the contest. Predict the number of home runs Otani will hit in the Cactus League, Korea, <laughs> and the California uh, exhibition series. When is that? Uh, what the California what? exhibition games? That's the freeway series. That's the twenty fourth to the twenty sixth. It's right after Korea. Opening day. Yeah, that's confusing. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I think I remember going. Okay, yeah, that, that sort of makes sense. And then moving on, and now I'm like coming back. Like, wait a minute, it's, that's it's really weird. weird. <laughs> it, it's it's very weird. Um, Did so, they do that? Is that what yeah. happened in Australia? Yep. Man, I do not remember that. So yep. So it. That was funny because that was when the season started on a Sunday only for like one, two teams. So they had – they go to Australia. Then they had about a week till the season started. Then the Dodgers played the Padres on the opening Sunday night. So there was a time – so 27 major league teams entered Monday, that Monday, with zero games played. The Dodgers had three – <laughs> the Diamondbacks had two and the Padres had one. So, like, the Dodgers had this weird head start. Um, but, no, it's very weird. So, just uh, to get back to Craig's question here, the Dodgers have already played four games. Um, he's not playing Monday. So, they he'll have 19 or really – I mean, and he's not going to play all of them. But there's going to be 18 opportunities for him to play – in domestic spring training, one of the one of the days is a split squad day. So, we, look, we've seen Otani do a lot of stuff. I don't think he's going to be able to play two places at once. I'm not putting it past <laughs> him, but I'm just saying it's unlikely. Um, but then they also play um, two practice games: one against Kai Woom and the other against the uh, Korean national team. A couple days before the um, the the regular season game, so like 
you know, if we're counting that. So we're talking. And I, so to be clear, I, I think he's not including and I, uh, the, the games that count in Korea. He's, he's not, the, I'm, but there's two, yeah. there's two. Yeah, I want to, I'm yeah. clarifying because that, yeah, yeah. that kind of blew by me. Yeah. So we're, there's going to be 20 chances for him to play. Now, Otani said, I think Roberts said this, Otani said, like clarified or, or like confirmed. He needs about 50 at-bats to be ready for Korea. So ignoring the freeway series for a second because that's not part of this. But that also is not just 50 at-bats in Cactus League games. He's going to also some days play on the backfields. Like, you know how they do – there's like minor league games on the backfields and then you could you can go down there. But you because you're Johnny Major Leaguer, you get to bat every at the top of every inning, the start of every inning <laughs> because it's weird. Who cares? And so – um, you can get like seven at bats in one day, one day if you need it. So I, I don't necessarily think he's going to play a ton of Cactus League games. Um, you got to figure he'll probably play both. I would imagine he'll play both of the the practice games in Korea because that, that those are more showcasey type things, right? Like you know, right. Um, so. For so we're guessing the home runs, I'll just say four. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, all right, you want to do? You want me to do a different one? You, you want no, four? no, no. I'll I'll, okay. uh, I'll be the hater for once. I'll but, say but three. But remember, this also counts the, the freeway series. So three. There you go. You can, all right. So I say four. You say three. Okay. Ruzdar Gratterall is a unique pitcher. Last year, he combined for a 120 ERA with 6.4 strikeouts per nine. Since 1995, only four other pitchers had seasons comparable with a minimum of 50 innings pitched with those stats. Do you think Gratterall can continue to be successful with his strikeout rate trending down? So I just want to point out the table that Craig sent. So Gratterall had a 363 ERA plus, which is ridiculous. Um, but the other the other pitchers on this list, if you want to like if you want to get really downs on Gratterall, uh, the other names here are Brad Ziegler, Clay Meredith, Shigatoshi Hasegawa, and Scott Downs are, are the 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 sort of um, seasons that Craig has identified in the, since '95. Um, low strikeouts, um, high, uh, super you know super low ERA. Um, I am not super worried about Gratterall strikeout rate. It is a thing. Like it's a low strikeout rate. It's like it was under 20% last year. Um, but he also gets, like, really bad swings, and he doesn't really give up a ton of, like, barrels or you know, a little bit of hard hit, but not not – they're getting weird swings off him. So that's not a problem. His expected ERA was 306 last year. It was top 9% in baseball. He was in the twos in expected ERA in 2020 and 2022. I would say his one bad year was 2021, and that was where he came to camp like out of shape, like where uh, Roberts like multiple times that season he's like alluded to he's like you know some you know you gotta he was very vague about it, but it was like you gotta come in ready and you know be ready, and he wasn't he was not ready, uh, and so he he spent a lot of time in the minors that year. I will say if there's one thing to potentially uh, that could help his strikeout rate is his slider. Um, he throws it. That's his second most pr- prolific pitch. 
but it was like minus two in run value last year. It was plus 11 the previous three seasons. I'm going off baseball savant for that. That's his best strikeout pitch. So if you get that going again, his strikeout rate will go up. And even like he's not putting up a 120 ERA this year, right? Like, but he could be in the twos and like, but like a perhaps a more dominant. Uh, in the twos, if you look at the other numbers, so like I, I, I'm not, I'm not worried, really worried at all about his strikeout rate. Before I knew it was a staple in Chinese restaurants, we had fried rice at home. <clears throat> well, you can go out and get fried rice uh, with all kinds of proteins. I am still partial to having it made with bacon, eggs, celery, and onion. Do you use leftover rice in this way, or does the necessity of using eggs? Uh, spoiler alert for me, uh, Dieter making this yeah. comfort food. Yeah, it just never. It, it, it was we didn't get Chinese food often enough to mm-hmm. it, like enter the nostalgia area to where uh, even though I don't want to I'm gonna make it work uh, yeah it's just not not been a dish on my radar Melissa loves it yeah um, I like fried rice I I don't think I've ever made it at home um, I have. I just have like. I like the. I like the uh, you might have, but you forgot. No, I, I just I, like. The, I, I like this drunken stupor. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. You know. You know what? Because I'm thinking, was it drunken noodles or was it drunken fried rice? Uh, no, I. I don't think I've made it. So it's one of those things where I will, if I'm making rice at home, I will just go rice cooker. Um, just usually white rice. Sometimes I'll have like a a rice aroni at the ready or something that sort of thing or whatever like that that sort of thing but i don't it's, eric i'm not it's the san francisco treat look i know yeah I'll, I'll get some no i'll get some store brands whatever's on sale um but yeah i just don't go the extra mile on that fried rice is a thing where i used to get that all the time like at like a to-go chinese restaurant or sit down you know whatever but then like over the year like i morphed into more I like the noodles more than if I'm going out. But like, if I get fried rice, it's usually going out, right? But I'm also more prone to get noodles when I go out. So like, it's uh, I don't know. Like, but yeah, I just I I I almost never, possibly never have made it at home. But I do like it. I, I will eat it. Like, it's just it's just not it's not something I go out of my way to make. Yeah. Here we go. Well, uh, if you're enjoying uh, your fried rice or white rice or noodles, however you're, whatever you're eating, I hope you had a good time listening to the three inning save. Uh, I am Eric Steven. The that Thai is podcast. Birch. The what? The Thai podcast. No, we're talking about Chinese food, not the Thai. 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 Oh, I'm okay. even making a pun here. I didn't I, even realize I, uh, the Thai podcast. I like it. That's right. We're the for for now. We're the Thai podcast. Uh, Maybe Rupert. we can get a sponsorship deal from the good yeah. people at Tide. Oh, Tide. Okay. Yeah, Whoa. Tide pod. Tide pod. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we could just be the Tide pod. There we go. Yeah. You blew my mind. Well, Brian Salvatore is the producer <laughs> who makes whatever this is sound decent. And thank you to Craig Minami for the questions. And thank you to Craig for always making us hungry at the end of every episode. We will talk to you uh, next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.